This morning is going to be just a little bit different in as much as we're uh, just suspending uh, for just this Sunday our teaching series. We've been talking about the inner man, although there'll be all sorts of connections we can make and some of the things that I'll be sharing. But I needed to take this Sunday in order to share with you uh, some of the happenings and some things that God has been speaking to me about with regards to uh, uh, developing our land and our project. And so uh, I think that uh, today the Lord is going to just do some incredibly mighty things. And while at first, and I'll just I'll give you a heads up, at first I'm going to go through some maybe mundane uh, historical things. But if you'll hang tough with me, by the time we get to the second half of what I want to share this morning, I believe that there's going to be a sense of anointing that's going to come into this room. And, and God is, is going to touch you in an amazing way. So I just want you to keep your expectors up and not go to sleep on me, all right? Stay, stay zoomed in. This Sunday, right now, ends our second year, and we're starting our third year of uh, our land development and our building project. And we have, through these last couple of years, uh, done our best with regards to giving. We've been planning. It takes a lot of planning to develop a piece of property. We've been pursuing finance and uh, trying to access some things that can help us achieve the goal of moving out to our new area. And I just need to visit with you about how we're to move forward and what I believe the word of the Lord is. And if you're a guest, by the way, and uh, or perhaps you're new to Legacy Church, I think actually... Uh, you're going to be real encouraged uh, by hearing our history, our journey. And as I mentioned, I believe God's even going to talk to you before this morning's over. So you're in the right place at the right time. And uh, you just get to hitchhike on an exciting journey that we're on. I will be reading a text to you out of the scripture. You know, a lot of people think you don't have a sermon until you read a text. All right, I'm going to read the text a little bit later, but it's still a message. Amen. But I want to just catch us all up. Some of this will be review for others of you. It'll be a good chance for you to catch up. But for those of you that have not been here, I want to talk about our history for just a moment. Our history. Legacy started in September of 2002. We're a little over seven years old. About 40 to 50 folks met at the Fort Johnson Civic Center. For those of you that are from James Island and you know the Fort Johnson Civic Center, you know it's a landmark, right? You... Everyone knows it's an incredibly, whenever I hear Civic Center, I always get this imagery of like North Charleston Civic Center. Fort Johnson Civic Center is nowhere near that size. It's about 800 square foot tops of square brick building. But we met there and there, there we were and there wasn't a, a paper clip to our name. We started at ground zero and uh, met there, I think, several times through the week, began to find a place we could meet on Sundays. And so it wasn't long after that that we began to meet at Hampton End, just down there at the end of 526. If you ever go down there, you'll see the Hampton Inn right next to Miabi's. It made a great after-service glow, you know, go to Miabi's. We met in the meeting room there. The kids' church was actually in the hotel rooms. I would rent several hotel rooms, and that's where we had children's church. The kids used to love it, though, because they could bounce from bed to bed. And they did, it was, to them, it was a blast, you know. After just a few weeks at the Hampton Inn, we actually secured a place down at the end of the Savannah Highway where you would see Hay Tire. 
It's been several different businesses since we were there. It originally was called Discount Furniture World. And you might even know where I'm talking about already. There was 3,500 square feet there. And uh, I didn't know at that time. I knew nothing about getting permits and pulling permits. I didn't know what it meant to have to renovate something. I'm just clueless. I'm a, I'm a preacher. <laughs> you know, I'm not a, a contractor. And so we just we were just full of zeal, and we began to just renovate the place. And the fire marshal came by, and he put one of those big red door things that says "Stop Work," because you know there were you know a growing number of us. We only had one bathroom. I think it was a unibathroom too. I think both the men and the women had to use the same restroom, and that's not cool when that happens. And uh, so, so we spent several months there at the discount furniture world and, and, you know, the roof had issues. It seems like everywhere we go, we have kind of roof issues, but, but I'll never forget there was a torrential downpour and over in the corner, all of a sudden it just gushed and there were about, you know, a, a half dozen people that just got instantly baptized right there in the corner of discount furniture world. Although it didn't count because we don't believe in pouring. We believe, you know, in immersion. So it, nonetheless. In September of 2003, a little over a year later, is when we came here to the mall. And uh, so we've been here a little over six years. And everything that you see, if you were to walk around through the offices, the sanctuary, into all the kids' areas, we were able to renovate all of this absolutely debt-free. Uh, we were able to do this with a lot of internal work and hard work and sweat. And I know... People were given and they were digging deep to do that. In those days, we were so young and we were so new that I went to the bank in order to get a $75,000 loan. I just figured that, you know, maybe, you know, it'd be like a business loan, signature loan. And it was just $75,000. Oh, you would not believe what it took in order to interact with these bankers until finally they decided we were too young still to be able to access $75,000 to complete the project. So I walked out and we gathered together again as a body. And I don't know, some of you will remember over at the old place, we call it Legacy One, where we took that great offering, remember that? And $85,000 came in on that offering. Do you remember that? And it was like we said, so long to the bank, you know. Our God, how many of you know, we looked to the bank for 75 k and when we looked to God, he gave us 85 k All right, you're following me. Amen. So we completed all of this, and I've had people come through and say there was a half million dollars worth of renovation. So, so God did some amazing things back in those days. And, and we were about two years from the end of our lease, which I don't know, would have been 04, 05, 06, no, 06 probably, somewhere in there. And we began to pray about our permanent location. Where were we going to go and where were we going to be in order to be in a permanent location? Now, this is no deep, dark secret, but um, leased commercial property has some expense to it in Charleston, South Carolina. We pay monthly. Praise God, we meet it every month. Praise God, we, we have, we're, we, you know, we, we do wonderfully financially, but it's $10,500 every month just to walk in through the front door. That doesn't include utilities and other things. So, so for those of you that might not understand commercial property, it takes a little bit of money in order to access this kind of property. So every month we pay $10,500. And as I watched that through the years, after a while, it just felt 
wrong to be sending our money up to some landlords in Baltimore when, when we could be doing something, you know, and, and building something that we could call our own or obviously the Lord's and, and go that direction. And so in June of 2007, uh, Tracy and I were driving uh, through, through John's Island. We were coming down Main Road and we saw a sign, a commercial sales sign right there on Main Road that was advertising 11 and a half acres for $1.3 million. I, you know, if the bank isn't going to give you $75,000, how many of you know $1.3 million is probably out of our, our league? And uh, we got on the phone. We'd worked with the realtor. We made an offer, but when we made an offer, they just decided to take the land off the market. And I thought, well, what did I, did I offend them or did it, you know, I didn't realize what was all going on in the background. And so it actually lay dormant. We didn't see any signs, didn't see anything for a number of months until finally Trace and I were out of town. We were in Gainesville, Georgia. We were visiting my son Clayton there. And uh, I think it was Tim Price who called me on the phone because he lives just down the road. And he said, Pastor, the signs back up that they want to sell the property. And so I said, oh, okay, let me think about it. And I hung up the phone, and I think Trace was in a store, that, and I was sitting outside waiting for her to come back. And she came back. I mentioned to her the property. I'll be honest with you. At that moment, because of all that was going on at the time, I just I, there wasn't this incredible zeal. But, but I thank God that I have a godly wife. Amen. Sometimes, guys, when we can't hear from God, they do. And that's why you've got a partner in life that can help you hear from God and she looked at me and she said, I, I think you need to consider doing that because it seemed like it was the Lord the first time around. And so, uh, again, visited with Tim. We had to move in a hurry. Uh, I called the realtor, found out that within the first 24 hours of that property being available, he got three offers in the first 24 hours, ours being one of them. In fact, uh, I found out later that uh, ours was... <laughs> I don't want to say this. Ours was the lowest offer that was given to them. Again, it was, I think it was in the million dollar range that they were wanting. And I just said, well, I'll just cut it in half. It was 1.3 million. Let's just cut it in half and I'll offer them $650,000. Well, praise God, he took it for $650,000. I mean, that, that's an amazing thing that it was cut in half. And so through favor, uh, I believe just God's heart, some other things that I'll mention that are going along, uh, God has done some incredible things. And for those of you that weren't there on dedication day, guys, I'm giving you your 30 second heads up. For those of you that weren't there and weren't able to enjoy that with us, and this is my uh, opportunity to catch everyone up to this moment, guys, take out the lights, turn on the screen, and everybody watch overhead. Your marvelous life 
How many of you remember? Yeah, brings back a lot of good memories. Let's talk a little bit about what I called the wisdom. Wisdom. The wisdom at that time was to quickly draw up our plans, do our master site designing, land engineer, and roll the land loan into the construction loan and begin to get started with building the new church. We wanted to do this at the time, hopefully by when the east, uh, lease ended. And uh, there was probably a year and a half before the lease ended. And uh, uh, we were endeavoring to kind of accomplish all of that the whole time, continuing to meet the ongoing needs of this ministry. Now, <clears throat> this strategy, of course, uh, came from a lot of wisdom and input. And I just want to uh, recognize some folks that that, uh, you know, input me and they love me and they give me counsel. The most important thing is, is that oftentimes they're the ones that can speak faith and bring encouragement to me. And I just want everyone that I define as core. If, if you come to what's called core meetings, I want you just to stand for just a moment. And right now, just go ahead. I want those. But these are my core leaders, I call and, and give them a hand because, you know, they bear the burden of the ministry as well. Appreciate you guys. I appreciate all of you. You can be seated. Um, like I said, they'll speak faith and encouragement and uh, they'll listen. And at times there are strategy sessions and they'll input me. And I appreciate that. And for two years, I'll just thereabouts two years, we have diligently endeavored to uh, to accomplish, uh, you know, what we felt like was wisdom. You know, wisdom is an important thing. Now, uh, we give financial details of our building project. Uh, I've written on this sheet, but for those of you that like, some people like these kind of things, some don't. We just endeavor to make sure everyone knows what's going on. It's just called a financial update for the building project. And I'm not going to go through all of these numbers with you now, but if you're interested in details, there's a lot more detail that you can stop by and pick up if that is of interest to you. But I just want to review just for a moment. I want to go through just sort of the financial keys to all of this, and we won't take long. But guys, if you could begin to flash some things for two years, and all of this has to be over a two-year time period, that, that we faith promised together as a congregation that particular number, 337909. Keep going, guys. And we received in the same amount of time, 194438. Now, the total project expenses were 254786 Hold on right there just for a second. Well, go ahead. Just, that's fine. Keep it right there. It amazed me. It takes a quarter of a million dollars just to get to the place you can take down a tree. That is, that is, that's just amazing to me that it could, it could cost like that. But uh, you say, well, that doesn't all fit if your expenses are more than your faith promise and all that. Well, praise God, we've been able to pay all of our bills. And uh, the rest came out of what we call the operating budget, which is those monies that we like to use on a month-to-month basis in order to continue to do the ongoing work of this local church. So, so the good news is, is that all of that's been paid for. All the bills are up to date. There's nothing outstanding. We have met all of these particular needs. Now, let me just share with you now the land appraised at 2007 for $880,000. That means when we bought it, we already had almost 200, over 200,000 in equity. And, and again, the appraisal today, I've not had an official appraisal today. So this is just, an approximation or a guesstimation. But those of you that haven't heard, John's Island is going to grow. 
And I mean, everybody's got their eyes on John's Island and between the 526 extension and all the things that take place. That piece of property is a very uh, distinguished, uh, important parcel of land. And uh, I can guesstimate, and I, I think I'm in order to do that, it's probably worth about a million dollars. And we owe on it $515,000. So that's all a good scenario. Show me last little bit, I'll just let you know. And our savings account here is at $12,192.57. The reason it's not higher, it's because we had to pay, remember that big note from First Federal. And so uh, that, that took out a, a good portion of our monies in order to make sure we were faithful with what First Federal needed us to do. Now that leads me to the challenge. The challenge. How many of you know challenges aren't always bad news? You've heard me say this on more occasions than I can count. You can't be an overcomer unless you face something you've had to overcome. You can't be triumphant unless you're in a, in a challenge, even a battle, and the, the opportunity to lose exists. You can't be victorious unless there's something that's looking at you that could take you out. So challenges aren't bad things, but they do have to be overcome. When, uh, when we started, what we needed to move laterally in our property. Now, what I mean by that is, is that for us to take what we have right now, and if we were just to pick this up and take it over to our new piece of property and drop it down there, according to the bank, they said we couldn't afford that. That was something we could. So, in other words, to move laterally or to move equally, the bank was telling us we could not afford it. In fact, to, to build what they said we could afford, we would have to cut down and use a whole lot less space than we have at this particular moment. It was suggested to me that we check out bond companies, and I have, and bond companies are interesting, and without going into all the intricacies, bond companies will give you a little bit more money, but the fees up front are significant, and uh, almost all the fees that you pay are up front, and they, they aren't embedded, and I just never felt a peace with bonds. And then that's when I started to wrestle with, now understanding this has been a two-year time period, but, but that's when I began to wrestle with the question, how much debt is appropriate? What is the best way to stewardship God's money? How do you strategize this? Is everything that we're doing honoring God? Where does God fit in to all of these things? You might say, well, pastor, weren't you asking those questions? Well, sure I was. But as I began to listen to what my natural eyes were seeing and my natural ears were hearing, I was beginning just one more time to step back and ask myself those questions again. Let me just share with you that the Bible in general, now listen very carefully, the Bible in general is against debt. Now, it is especially against debt if you're using debt in order to accrue depreciating items. In other words, if you're using your credit card to buy things that tomorrow will be worth less than they were the day you bought them, that's not a good thing. That's called depreciating debt. Now, we all probably, if we live in a house here, have a debt on our homes. We pay mortgage payments. Almost everyone has to get a, a, a mortgage in order to, to live in a house. And and I do believe that you could make a case for debt on things that appreciate in value. In other words, that you're not losing money in the securing of that debt as long as you use it wisely, because we carry mortgages, most of us do. But I mentioned to you, and I have through these last couple of years, that the Spirit of God kept resonating in me 
a particular phrase. And I've said this over and over again. And he wouldn't tell me any more than this one phrase. He kept saying, I will build this church through my people's faith. By faith, this church will be built. That's all I got. I didn't get any details. It could be applied. I can think it could be applied a number of ways. Now, I need to say this with what I'm going to say for the rest of this time because I'm not going to come back to this point. Financing isn't necessarily a bad thing. Lots of churches finance in order to go to their next goal. So that's not a bad thing. It's not an evil thing. And it's not necessarily something we will not do in the future. But all of us know that the financial season in America has changed, has it not? As everyone has heard and experienced over and over again, we're in the great recession. That's what we're told. What happened during this time period, literally in this whole time period, it started out when we purchased the property to, to be a very optimum time to access finances. Well, things fell apart. Banks began to uh, face difficult moments. And all of a sudden, banks withdrew lending. Some of them needed to be bailed out. We've all heard the phrase TARP funds. And TARP funds, which helped the banks sustain themselves, were limited in what they could lend to nonprofit organizations. That might be good for you to know. It might be good for you to know that, yes, the government bailed out the banks upon the stipulation, listen to me, they wouldn't help churches. Just tuck that away. Pastor friend of mine actually told me that he was in the middle of constructing his church. And the bank literally pulled out of his project. So he had to scramble. He's had got a half-built building literally scrambling in order to figure out how in the world they were going to keep this moving forward. Banks have become incredibly conservative. Now, obviously, that meant that you and I, as we were going forward, were going to have to wait. Now, I want you to say amen to this. Waiting isn't always a bad thing, is it? I know we hate waiting. I hate waiting. I'm kind of a take it by force sort of a person. I, I just, I just feel like if there's any sort of challenge, it means it's just something to blast through. But God in His Word talks about waiting. They that wait upon the Lord will, will renew their strength. They will rise up on wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. But waiting is sometimes harder. Now, through all of this waiting, which is fine, Add on top of that, we have grown. Now, that's not a bad problem, is it? That's a good thing. We have especially grown in our kids' areas and in youth in these areas. And now the original drawing, listen to me, the original drawings that we produced, which were going to be tight anyway, because remember, we were trying to move what we had from here to there at least. Now they don't even fit the number of people that we would need to get in them. And so to some extent, I guess you could make the case that even our original drawings are obsolete. And so I've already started thinking, how can I build a second floor? How, how can we extend this? How can we move this out? Can you say hallelujah? We're enlarging the tent pegs and expanding the place of our boundaries. But all of that brings us to today at the end of this second year. Now, I'm not soliciting any pity or have the need of an attaboy. You know, Trace and I have been pastoring for 26 years. And we understand you ride the good days. And you press through the tough days. This is the third building project that I've been involved in. 
which is on top of three other major renovations that I participated in. So I understand a little bit about how the cadence of building things works. I'm not a rookie at it. As I've often said, I have just enough information to be dangerous. So, But I also know that there's an exhaustion to it. And I'm just going to be transparent with you and tell you that I would be less than honest if I didn't tell you that it's been exhausting to some extent. Toward the end of 2009, uh, I just took a mental rest. Some of you, because you were excited, you would ask me, where are we at, Pastor? Where are we at? Where are we at? And I'd look at you, and I even said to some of you, I'm just not even thinking about it right now. Because there was an exhaustion in my life. In fact, I can stand before you, and I can report to you that I've done everything in the natural that I know to be faithful, to keep us moving forward. But to be candid with you, I had reached the beginning of 2010, and I just flat out needed a word from God. Those that are in the core know that how I even bounced some ideas off of them and just wanted to hear what they thought about certain things. And at the beginning of 2010, praise God, he began to speak to me in some really important ways. And the strategy that I'm about to share with you is really the culmination of what he's been saying since the fast and through just this past week. I was in my office this past week and I I had already spoken forth that we were going to use this Sunday to talk about building and projects and the future and land. And I was before the Lord, I was sitting at my desk and saying, okay, Lord, I announced it. (laughs) You're on the calendar. I've been there numerous times before and, and God has decided he wasn't going to say anything. But this time he spoke. You get a word from God and it'll take you a long way. It doesn't have to be long. Even a short one will take you a long, long way. And I had an incredible experience this week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow somebody's bubble right now. I don't have a, a, a third heaven experience every other day. I'm a lot like you. There can be some mighty dry times that you're just walking by faith. But he began to speak to me and began to unveil a strategy. I just want to share with you, how many of you know God never has a problem? God never has a problem that he can't fix. God is never boxed into a corner. He never gets confused. He never is rattled. He never lacks resource. God is unstoppable. He is unalterable. He is limitless. His well never runs dry. And it does not matter what the kingdoms of this world say and do. They are feeble and weak compared to his kingdom. With C.S. Lewis who once said, For God to be God, he has no need. For all his needs are met in himself. That's how you know whether you're God or not. If you can meet all your needs, then we'll worship you. But truth is, you can't, and only he can. And I began, I, I know, this is, I'm just being honest. I'm like you sometimes. You just lose sight of who God is. And I lost sight because I heard scores of times bankers and financiers tell me what can and cannot be done. I've listened to people tell me what I can and cannot afford. I have designers and engineers and architects and developers tell me that what I need cannot happen. 
and that somehow I need to scale back the vision, scale back the dream, scale back your expectations, most of which are not all that outlandish, but they're just needs. I'm sorry, folks, here's where I'm at. I don't want our babies to get crowded. I don't think, I don't think we should skimp on the lambs and the young people and the next generation. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it. How, we cannot look at us as adults and say we're going to get all the best and leave the worst to the kids. It just isn't going to happen under my watch. It just isn't going to happen. Don't misunderstand me. I, I, what I'm saying, some of these folks that were speaking to me, they're good Christian folks. I'm not, I'm not saying these weren't Christian people talking to me. They're trying to give me prudent counsel, prudent advice, stuff that I'm sure I need to hear and carefully consider. But I had to get back to the phrase, this church will be built by faith. That's all I had. It's all I knew God was saying until just this past week. And, and now's the message part. So if you want your Bibles to get out, here's the message. It's official now. I want you to put that on the screen. I did not come to build a steeple. I came to plant a cross. I want you to write that down. I know it may not mean that much to you at this moment. Maybe before the morning's over, it'll mean more. I did not come to build a steeple. I came to plant a cross. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17, it says this, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest, listen to this, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. I'm going to read this slow because I want it to sink in. He said, I didn't come with you with, with the wisdom of the world or even the wisdom of the church. He said, I'm not coming to you with this kind of wisdom because if we, if we get locked into wisdom, you can miss the power of the cross. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, listen, it is everyone say it is it is the power of god for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent where is the wise where is the scribe where is the disputer or the debater of this age has not has not god made foolish the wisdom of this world for since in the wisdom of god the world through wisdom did not know God. I'm just making little comments here. Do you understand that you can be the wisest man on the earth? Solomon was, but it still didn't keep him from marrying 300 women and having 700 concubines. The dude wasn't that smart. Paul's just saying you can have wisdom, incredible wisdom, but that doesn't necessarily mean you got your life on target. Says it pleased the God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews, verse 22, request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, to the Greeks, foolishness, but to those who are called, how many of you know that's us? Yeah, man. Both Jews and Greeks. Christ, the power of God, and 
the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. To go through every incident and anecdotal story I've experienced in the last couple of months would be lengthy and it would probably exhaust all of you. But I will say one more time that God has been speaking in definitive ways that are important. You see, every problem that you and I think we face is really a symptom of a far more important issue. What that issue is, is that somehow or another, we fell back into a small view of God. That means that the answer to every problem is that we must get a greater view of God. And I can assure you that the worst thing we can ever do or say is to look at God and say, it can't be done. If you want to get God's attention, just just tell him you think something's impossible. He's been known to drop the walls of cities. He's been known to defeat the armies of nations when they've outnumbered Israel three to one. God's been known to part seas when you're caught in a corner. God even rained donuts on the people of Israel. It was called manna. God stopped the rotation of the earth for Joshua. He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick. He's opened blind eyes. Do you understand? He is no ordinary God. But I also know that he gives people a strategy for these miraculous moments. Sometimes unusual things that will confound and stretch the natural mind. That's what he was saying here. He was saying God will use foolish things to confound the wise. Is it not true when you look at Joshua, say march around the thing seven times, six times silent, seventh time just shout your brains out and I'll drop the walls. That doesn't sound like worldly wisdom. When he tells armies not to go in with swords and arrows, but instead break pitchers and put in candles and light them up and shout your brains out and I will turn the enemy on himself. That is not a worldly strategy. God unveils things to us through revelation. May not make sense to the world, but when it gets into your spirit, it makes perfect sense. The title of the message that I gave you this morning, I'll just fess up, I hijacked it from Mark Batterson. He he was telling a story years ago of his father-in-law who looked at his people one time and said, I just want to remind you all, I did not come to build a steeple, but I've come to plant a cross. And I thought of Charleston, South Carolina when he mentioned that. I thought about how we're known worldwide for our skylines of churches and steeples. I thought about how even in our own city, laws have been passed that you can only build your buildings so high because you can't take out the view of the steeples. It's kind of the ambiance of our city. It's, it's the way we sort of look as a town. And it resonated in me as he was sharing this that the last thing our city and the last thing our region needs is another steeple. It needs a cross. And through a series of events, I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, Oh, yes. Yes, I, I spoke to you about this. I want to fulfill this dream. I, I want to fulfill this vision. Yes, I want to build this thing for you. I kept hearing the Spirit of God. Not It was not a rebuke, but He was saying yes, because all the promises of God are yes and amen. He said, I, I want to 
give my people a house like you've imagined. But this is what the Spirit of God looked at me and said. You can get it. You can get it your way or you can get it my way. Do you want to do it my way? And I thought, well, sure. Sure. The Spirit took me. And those of you that know me know that I love to expound on God's word. And so for me to give you sort of subjective experiences is somewhat different approach than I, I usually come to you with. But the truth of the matter, this is what happened to me. This came by way of vision and revelation. And the spirit of God took me back to a picture of conversations that I have had with architects and engineers, especially in the design phase. And we were talking about different phases of construction and what could be done under each phase. And, and, and I particularly wanted something on the property that honored the cross. In fact, for those of you that were looking at the pictures as we played the videotape, you'll notice that out in front of the building that was designed, there's a big cross with a, a red something that's there. And I told him, I said, I wanted a cross and I want that painted red and I don't give a rip if it doesn't match the rest of the building because I, I just want something that honors the cross and honors the blood. And honors the centrality of Christ and the exclusivity of his claims. And so they took some of the ideas and they drew me. I, I, I kind of liked the look of it. And then we began to talk about money. And where we were going to spend money. And how you steward your money. And where a corner or two could potentially be cut or things that could happen in order that you could get this building built because we weren't fitting within the budget that we supposedly were the, you know, qualified for. And, and it naturally arose some of the aesthetic items that you would want in your church building. Uh, maybe they could wait or you could come and do it later or anything like that. You could put it at another stage or another phase. And to be honest, in my mind and, and in my heart as I began to listen to all of this and you're getting all this wisdom and you're getting all this prudence, and you're getting these things being thrown at you. I, I just sort of swallowed everything that was being thrown at me. Because I was trying to conceive of a way to somehow go to this next place. I've often quoted Hudson Taylor. You've heard him before. His famous saying is, God's will done God's way will never lack God's resource. For where God guides, he provides. The key word I think in all of that is the word guide. Guide. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, if you guys have it, flash it on the screen overhead. It says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. There are some things that God begins to share that won't make sense to anyone except those who are attuned to the things of the Spirit. And the Spirit of God seemed to be saying to me, I understand your heart. I understand your desire to be a good steward, but you've got your phases and you've got your stages all wrong. And the Holy Spirit, and this was really just a very short and simply this stage one, phase one, honor the cross. Stage one, phase one, honor the cross. Do not leave it for the last do not let it be something you can catch up with later. Do not figure out how you can cut corners with it. You build it first. Because I've not called you to build a building. I've called you to plant a cross.
Spirit of God spoke to me and said, if you will plant a cross first, I will unleash the power of it over you. I will unleash the power of my cross over this region. It says here, it says here, listen, listen, listen. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is. Not it could be, not it might be. It is the power of God. And He promised in all of this that He would, number one, that people would be supernaturally drawn to it. Jesus said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Let me tell you, it includes whether it be civic leaders, the media. I literally saw with the eyes of my inner man, all of us clearing the land, even with shovels. And people would stop as they drove by and they would jump out even excitedly and just say, are you starting your church building? Are you putting up your building? And very graciously, we just look at people and say, no, we're planning a cross. We're planning a cross. Sound foolish to some, I'm sure. But the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Number two, he said to me, the curse would be canceled. The Bible says that a part of the curse that came with the sin of Adam was, remember, that that he would work by the sweat of his brow and that he would toil with little results. And I believe that the cross breaks the curse. Not just the curse of sin in general, but I believe it breaks the curse in specific. I believe it breaks the curse of poverty. I believe it breaks the curse of lack. I believe it breaks the curse of debt. Do you not know that He carried my debt? And He exchanged my debt for His abundance. It makes No sense to the natural man to start spending money on a cross. But in God's economy, the cross will unleash resource. It will unleash blessing. It will unleash laborers. Do you not know that John's Island and Charleston and this whole region has a curse? Folks, let's just get honest. There's a curse upon our land. We smile and we walk and we're the friendliest city in America. And these things may be true, but truth of the matter is that there are curses that have existed and it has stopped God's work in our area. It's because of how we've treated the foreigner. And it's because of how the rebellions and the divisive spirit that has existed deep within the system and fabric of our, of our culture here. It has produced a curse, the mistreatment of our African brothers and sisters. These things are real. He said he would break the curse. Number three, the Spirit of God said people would be healed and delivered as they drove by. Individuals will suddenly be changed. Call me foolish. I just believe in the power of the cross. I also believe that the brassy heavens that have been locked up over our region spiritually. Listen, it started when Whitfield came with the message of the awakening on his lips. And he tried to preach it in Charleston proper. But they would not hear. They did not have ears to hear. They literally threw God's man in jail. Do you not think a curse came with that when you touched God's anointed like that? He was bailed out and released and he, and he went out to John's Island and folks, listen to me. 
We aren't far from the place that Whitfield stopped on John's Island. And it was there that, that he began to minister and began to preach the awakening, but it never really took hold in this region. And the Lord said, the Lord said to me that the brassy heavens, which have been locked up over our region, will be broken. Spirits of religion and divination and poverty and racism will be broken. Steeples, listen to me, steeples do not open the heavens to God's glory. The cross will open up the heavens to see the glory of God come. Let me tell you something. There's going to be a regional encounter that's going to take place as people just drive by. A breaking of every oppressive power and stronghold. And then number four, the nations, he promised this to me, the nations and races would be reconciled. The cross has broken down, the Bible says, the separation in the walls between the Jew and the Greek. I believe that the cross is the only thing that will break down all of the separations between black and white. There is no color at the cross except red. And you get under the blood and that's what you'll look like. You may be a light red or a dark red, but it's all going to be red. I see Hispanic, I see African, I see Asian, I see Jamaican, I see Ukrainian, I see people of all nations coming to the cross. I see the flags of the world flying beneath the cross, signifying that the nation shall kneel. I see people flying on commercial jets. The last time I flew in from Louisiana, they took a southern route and it was a clear day and I was able to look out my window and I was able to see as we were flying the southern direction that we were coming up Highway 17. And outside of Highway 17, I began to recognize all these different landmarks. And how many of you know, when you get to Ravenel in Hollywood, that's kind of hard to find something you recognize. But all of a sudden it dawned on me because it's just, I, I recognized the fact that we were south of town. And then all of a sudden it just sort of lit up in me that, that there will be people, listen to me, it's as clear it's as clear now as it was. I see people looking out their window on jets, seeing in the distance a cross just springing up out of the Johns Island area. And some of them looking and saying, what's that? And they'll say, not only will they say that's legacy, there will be some who will come and say, that's where we're going to church. That's where we're going to go to the conference at. That's where we're going to go get healed. That's where we're going to, that's where we're going to get free. Those that know me know that I'm a lot like Wesley. I'm sort of a man of one book. I even know the Latin. Homo unius libra. Just to let you say, no, I hadn't lost my mind. I still know my Latin. But it's, it's as if the Holy Spirit said, if you will do this thing and honor the cross and honor the blood, there will not be enough land to contain what I will do. God is not scaling back. He is not in retreat. There is no recession in the kingdom of God. There is no layoffs. There are no bailouts. He needs no tarp money. The kingdom of God doesn't need a stimulus package to keep it going. God is eclipsing himself. The world system, listen to me, the world system has lids and comfort zones and ratios and ceilings and all these sorts of limits. And even with all these limits, they couldn't keep their own house in order. But it is God who says he will do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or think. We don't have a problem, folks. This can be our greatest hour. 
if we choose not to build a steeple, but instead plant a cross. Listen, I don't think people followed Jesus because he was ordinary. I don't know about you, but I don't stand in line because of something that's ordinary. I think they stood in line and people were attracted to him because he was unconventional. He, 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 he just, he just had a, a, a sense of, of limitlessness. There was something about him that was extraordinary. I believe people are attracted to the extraordinary. I don't believe God works in the feasible. I think God works in the impossible. So what's the strategy? Well, here's where I'm at. Number one, I'm not doing faith promise cards and pledges. I'm done. I was, I was told that's, that's how you do it. Well, I'm done doing it that way. I understand the need that banks and financiers have for information like this, but truth is, there ain't any bank that's going to loan us money for a cross. It's not what they do. They wouldn't help us renovate the inside of this that we were going to use every day. I, if, uh, I'm not going to, I don't believe they'll do that. As a people, listen, we rise to the word and vision and do what God has asked of us. Not to, and I don't want to be indelicate. I'm certainly not mad. I'm, I hope I'm not mad. Honey, have I been okay? I've not been mad. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes I can get, and it looks like I'm mad. I'm really not mad. I'm just zealous. But I, and I don't want to be indelicate, but truth of the matter is, as I was looking at that, the cards didn't match what came in anyway. You see, we're to the place now that we've got to be almost like when Moses was when he gave the vision and the word of what God says to the people. And they just came and they just said, this is what I want to do. We got to be faithful and continually faithful in the tithe and the regular offering that keeps the ministry going. But over and above, whatever happens, this is up to you and it's up to me. See, Moses gave a vision for a tabernacle. They'd never seen a tabernacle before. They didn't know what the tabernacle was about. They didn't have any of this stuff. He just came down and said, this is it. This is what God said. This is what we're going to do. And something resonated in the people. And they said, all right, we're going with this. So, so we're not taking any promises. Some of you say, amen, hallelujah, whatever. The only thing you've got is your, you being before God. Secondly, for me, this vision is taking on a higher priority. I mean, I mean, it just was downloaded. I shared it with my wife that night and I got all messed up again. And then I came in here on Wednesday's prayer meeting and I got messed up at prayer meeting. And, and I'm just now to the place. And Wednesday night, I started just giving the announcement and it started just to mess me up again. And I finally got to the place where I've sort of composed myself so I can share these things with you. But the vision is taking higher priority. Just want to introduce a couple people to you. you. Most of you know them. Is Maria? Just stand and wave at everybody real quick. Maria, where's? Yeah, just yeah. There's everybody knows Maria. Yeah, Maria. Ma- Maria has has been an administrative assistant to me and done so many many things. But I just I just told her I'm gonna I, I'm we're, we're we're releasing all sorts of bookkeeping and all sorts of budgetary things to her. I've just watched Wally and Maria through the years, and they can squeeze more out of a dime than any two people I've ever, I've ever been around. And, and, and Maria is the coupon queen. I know we kid her about that, but I, I just tell you, God, God has honored them, and, and, and I, I'm just going to hitchhike on that. Because I'm going to find every dime I can. Where's Tim? Tim's over here. Wait, stand up, Tim. Just wave at everybody. See, Tim... 
I tell you what, Tim, Tim's going to do some new, Tim, Tim's going to help me, really, you're not even helping me, you're just, I'm forgetting about this facility. I'm forgetting about roof leaks, I'm forgetting about all the things that have to happen with regards to facility, I'm forgetting, I just said it's yours. And, and, and there's going to be other things I'm just letting go, because I'm telling you, I'm going to press through on planning a cross. God has not called me to change light bulbs, he's called me to plant a cross. I'm glad for guys that feel like that's, they're working in the house of God. I'm glad for women who feel like this is my part in working in the house of God. My part in working in the house of God is we're going to plan a cross. The past strategy was, was great. We've done nothing wrong. We walked integrally. We, we did what we said we would do. Every penny you gave for this has been spent on exactly what it was designed to do. This year, now let me just say this, this year we, we'll keep all of this, but this year I'm just telling you, this, this will be kept in a file, it's nice, it's done, it's gone, you can have all the copies you want, you can paper your room with it or whatever you want. But this year, I'm just telling you, this year somehow, some way, every, from this point forward, every dime that comes is, is going to go to this end. This, I believe this is the path, this is the strategy in order to begin to move where God wants us to be. So this year, every penny will either go into a savings account in order to pay for the building of the cross. It'll go to debt reduction because I don't know all that First Federal might ask of me all through the year. It may go to land clearing. We're going to do this. But we are, we are checking into incremental clearing and all sorts of things because we are going to do this until finally, number three, we get to what I believe is the goal that the Lord has put in my heart. And it's this, that in one year... By the end of January 2011, that not only will the land be cleared, and not only will just the initial land work be done, but we will have raised a cross worthy of our Savior, and then we positioned ourselves for whatever the next step in God's economy may be. How much is that going to cost? Well, my guess is it's going to cost about 50000 for the clearing. It's going to cost probably, I'm just guessing, but it could cost 75000 for the cross. I don't know exactly. These things will be found out. That adds up, if you're doing your little figuring, about $125,000 that I can see. Now, I know there are other things that creep their way into this kind of stuff. I Believe me, I've been around the corner and around the block enough to know that about the time you think you got a handle on it, somebody else wants their fingers in it. But I just want you to know, though, that this is the path that I'm beginning to see with regards to pressing into our land And I'm going to end with this. Listen to me. Every vision, every vision has its Sanballats and Tobias. If you don't know who Sanballat and Tobiah are, they're the ones that looked at Nehemiah when he was building his wall. And they began to, yeah, (laughs) they were critical of it. They were caustic about it. They did whatever they could to discourage it. I'm just going to share this with you. There will always be Sanballats and Tobias who will look and say, oh, yeah, 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 they're planning a cross. Listen to me. If anybody looks at you and they say to you, why in the world are you planning a cross first? All you have to do is say this. It's our only hope. It's our only hope. It is the power of God. Some will say, is that really stewarding money? I want to remind you, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, I can't read it all, verses 3 through 9, you can write it down, and all of you will remember 
The woman who with the alabaster jar of oil broke it over Jesus' feet. And all the disciples, when they watched this strange act, they were ready to question the stewardship of it. They looked at Jesus and they said, Jesus, if you just would have kept it in the jar, we could have taken it down to the flea market. We could have sold it for at least, I don't know, I don't even know how much 300 denarii are. I'm sure it's probably a half a year or a year's wages. I mean, it's an incredible amount of money. And Jesus looked at them and said, leave her alone. Sometimes you can't see everything with your natural mind and logic. And he said, this woman and what she has done will be told as a memorial throughout the world wherever this gospel is preached. And with genuine humility and sincerity, I want you to know that, that I have reached the place in all, in all sincerity. I, I don't, I don't need, I don't need any fame anymore. I've often said I'm infamous in some circles and famous in others. It just kind of depends on what circle you run around in. I don't need it. I have nothing to prove to anyone anymore. Built buildings, renovated buildings. I've done all these things. I want you to know that I can stay in this mall the rest of my life. In fact, I'll tell this to you right now. If we clear the land and we plan a cross and God says, that's it, I'm cool with it. Because I've done the will of God. But I believe that if we will move in this act, I be, this is what I believe. I believe that God will say, this, this, this action, this event, this moment will be used as a memorial to be told throughout the world. I'm not looking, listen, I'm not looking for worldwide anything. I'm just saying that the cross needs to be declared to the world. It's no longer about us. It's no longer about square foot and where I get to sit and what's the chair going to look like and what's the color of the wall and what's the ceiling going to be and what kind of technology is going to be there and do we get inner ear monitors and what's the Ansolume on the projector going to look like and is there are we going to use Apple instead of you know uh, uh, HP or whatever I, it's no longer about this stuff it's all about him and if he tarries if for some reason he comes and we leave it all, all, if all that's left is a cross, it was a worthy endeavor. That, isn't that our legacy? Isn't that the greatest legacy we could live? Is not, is not a billboard out front that says legacy, but a cross, a cross that it needs a red light on the top so airplanes don't hit it. It needs to, it needs to be a feature where people say, you know where that big cross is? You'll find this place. Just find that big cross. You see, I didn't come to build a cross, build a steeple. I've come to plant a cross. And, and, and that's the word of the Lord. I want y'all to stand. Will you stand with me? I want all my musicians to begin to move this direction. I know I took a little extra time. I apologize for that. If the other churches beat you to lunch, just tell them you're learning about planning a cross. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now. I ask you right now. Will you begin 
to unveil now to everyone's eyes the power of your cross? Would you unveil to people's eyes right now a strategy right now that would enable them to say yes and amen? Lord, I believe you're calling us to a strange and unusual act. It makes perfect sense to me. Lord, I pray right now that it will begin to resonate in the hearts of your people to where they will arise. And with everything they've got, Lord, they'll say yes. We've not come to put another steeple on the horizon. We've not come just to put another church building up. We've not come just to scale back and scrimp by and cut a corner and figure out how we can put a roof over our head and it has enough BTU so we're cold in the summer and we're warm in the winter. Lord, help us to spring out of these mentalities and begin to realize that the only thing worth giving our lives to is that which you gave your life for. Lord, you hung on the cross for us. How insignificant would it be for us to raise a cross for you? Lord, you're going to have to speak to your people now in this next year. It's going to take miracles, not just one. It's going to take miracles in order to accomplish what I believe is your heart. Lord, help them to see right now. Help them to see a road that's put in to that place. Help them to see right now trees that have to come down. Help them to see the pads that have to go in. Help them to see, Lord, the construction. Lord, help them right now. Help them right now to overcome people rolling their eyes, even construction workers coming in saying, you're building this first? Yes, we're building this first. It's not about anything else but Jesus. It's not about us or me. It's not about names. It's not about anything. It's just about the Lord. Lord, help us, help us to get a vision of people driving by and all of a sudden seeing a cross and strangely being drawn to that place. Lord, I, I just, I, I believe, Lord, that, that we could put tents out. Even if, Lord, you didn't give us a dime to put a building up, we could just put tents up there and just minister under the cross. I can see it. For the first time, Lord, I can really see it. Thanks. Thanks. Hallelujah. Can you just play softly, do your intro to the song I told you to just begin to play softly? I just want to take a moment. Help me. Where's somebody? Can I get somebody? Noah or someone of my guys? Tim or come here, Tim. Somebody over here. Ed, thank you. Yeah, yeah, you you guys be right where I was going. Just just put it right in this, this right here. It's right in here right in here somewhere. That's great. Thanks, guys. We use these at Encounter. Just cross. It's just a symbol. But it's, but it's a powerful symbol of all that the Lord has provided. And, and what I want to do, I know I've kept you here, but it was an important Sunday to do this. And I just want you to begin, those who are worshipers, I want you to fill the well again. Those of you that might not normally come to the well, I want you to slip out And I want you to begin to worship God. And we're just going to honor Him this morning before we go. I don't know what in the next year we're going to do in order to help keep it before you. But folks, something's got to stir on our hearts week after week after week for the next year to say, What can I do, Lord? What can I do? I'm no longer building a steeple. I'm planting a cross. 
I'm linking with my pastor and we're going to plant a cross. It's our only hope. Hear me, another church is not the hope of the world. The cross is the hope. One more time, Father, I pray that you begin to speak to people right now. Lord, I don't know what they're going to have to do in order to respond to you. But in the next year, Lord, I'm putting it before you right now. We as a people, can you agree with me, are putting it before you right now. Then, Lord, in a year, we're going to clear that off for the world to see. We're going to raise a cross up. And, Lord, I believe that that power is going to meet every need in people's lives. It's going to meet every need in this church's life. Lord, it's going to let it move on us. In a powerful way this morning, I ask. Let's begin to worship Him, can we?
declaration right now. And the declaration is, is that, is that the only problem you have as an individual and the only problem that we might have as a church is the fact that our view of God is small. That's our only problem. And that problem can change right now. By adjusting your spirit to say, with men, things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. All things are possible. Listen, he doesn't need... It's great to have thousands. He doesn't need thousands. He just needs... He just needs the committed remnant. And if he has it, he can do anything. We're just going to sing. Now, this is our declaration. Just as we've done... When we receive offerings and we make declarations, we're making a declaration now and we're setting it in the in the spiritual realm. See, this morning, this morning is when the cross gets planted. I've already planted it in my heart. I planted it in my heart. There's no wiggle room, no going back, no finessing it. I've, it's it's planted in my heart. If it takes me the next 40 years of my life, a cross will be planted. I can think of nothing better to expend your life doing. I don't believe that's even close to what God will do, but you've got to get it planted in your heart right now. Get it planted in your heart right now. God, you didn't call me to build a steeple. We're just not one of many on the skyline. You called us to plant a cross. All right? We're making our declarations. Let's do that second verse. You're the only God whose power none can contain. You're the only God whose name and praise will never end. You're the only God who's worthy of everything we can give. You are God. That's just the way.
wicked. You are on your throne, and you are not alone. Come on, unchain. Unchangeable. Come on, you take it. Say it. Unstoppable, that's what you are. Unchangeable, unshakable, unstoppable, that's what you are. 